my name is Jonathan Powell. Uh, my wife, Heather, and I are members here at Southwest. We've been members, I think, I was trying to remember, I think it was 1993 we joined the church. We've been coming here since 1990. We were uh, students at Georgia Tech at the campus ministry there and started coming through that campus ministry. And uh, since then, this has been our home. Uh, we're missionaries now in Ukraine. We've been there. Uh, September, we'll celebrate 20 years in Ukraine, so uh, that's why you don't see us very often. Uh, but but uh, uh, it's um, one of the strange things about being a missionary is you have lots of homes, lots of places that feel like home, uh, some more than others, but this is home to us. And it's, it's really good to be here with you all today, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to uh, uh, speak this morning. I am going to preach, but just tell you a little bit about our ministry in Ukraine. Uh, we live in a little town called Berdyansk. It's on the Sea of Azov, a small sea. We're kind of a tourist town. And uh, back in 2014, Russia uh, invaded Ukraine and took the Crimean Peninsula, uh, which closed a lot of our ministry. That was, that's about an hour and a half west of us. And then uh, shortly after that, Russia invaded mainland Ukraine. And that war has been going on now for five years, and that's about an hour and a half east of us. So we're kind of right in the middle. But thankfully, our, our town is still a part of Ukraine, um, and we're able to continue to serve there. Uh, we work with a, a local church and uh, reach out uh, to villages where there are no churches. We have a ministry to the deaf and hearing impaired as well. Through our church, we do campus ministry because of our connection at Georgia Tech. That's really important to us. And then we also... Um, main focus right now has been reaching out to folks that have no connection to the church whatsoever and trying to uh, start small group Bible studies in homes and in uh, cafes. Today I want to begin with uh, reading uh, 1 John uh, chapter 3 starting in verse 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Recently, Heather and I and our family went on a vacation with Dennis and Corey Wilson and their family, and we went up to Washington, D.C. We stayed with a family, Kay and Brian Schwadell, our former members here at Southwest, and we got there late the first night, and um, Kay and Brian loaded us up into their cars and uh, drove us into D.C. so that we could tour all the monuments at night, and it was, it was amazing. It was really a powerful couple hours we spent walking around downtown D.C. Today's text Reminds me of Brian's car. You thought I was going to say monuments, didn't you? But it reminds me of Brian's car. Brian has a Tesla. A really cool car. This is the one and only time Heather has ever said in her life when we stepped out of a car, she said, I want one. <laughs> She's never said that before. As we uh, left their home and we're just about to get on the highway, I said, Brian, I heard Teslas are fast. And he smiled and said, let me show you. And immediately we were pinned against our seats. I think it goes uh, 0 to 60 in either 2.8 or 2.9 seconds. Today's text 
accelerates in a similar manner. We should love one another. That's the starting line. That's zero. That's something we can all agree on. There's not going to be any argument with that. But immediately John hits the gas, punches the throttle, puts the pedal to the metal. When he says, do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Love one another. Don't be a murderer. How's that for a zero to 60? Makes my neck hurt. And why did Cain kill Abel? Because Abel was right before God. His sacrifice was pleasing to God. And Cain's sacrifice wasn't. Cain got angry and he lashed out in hate at the person he felt had shown him up. John uses this story to illustrate the point that we shouldn't be surprised if and when the world hates us. In Beer Johnson, see where we live, uh, we have a, a sort of community center. It's uh, privately owned and operated. Uh, it's called Anti Cafe, and I still can't for the life of me figure out what that name means to the person uh, that runs the, the community center, but um, they've explained it to me many times. It's not a language barrier. I'm understanding all the words coming out of her mouth. It still doesn't make sense to me what they think anti-cafe means, but that's what they call it. And they offer different classes from art to language clubs to computer literacy, academic lectures. They'll even go out in the community and plant trees, uh, beautify sections of the city, you know, paint a wall or something uh, to make the city more beautiful. And they've developed a really strong uh, little community of folks uh, that are connected uh, to this uh, anti-cafe, and Heather and I are two of those people connected to it. Um, you can rent their facilities, use their equipment, advertise your events through their social media for almost anything. They're up to do almost anything, but not everything. Yoga's cool, spiritualism's cool, tarot card's great. The line just seems to, the one thing on the other side of the line seems to be Christianity. I can't hold meetings there. I can't uh, do a lecture there. Um, that's the only thing that's, that seems to be off of the table. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. We also uh, volunteer at a local university. Um, one of the ways, you know, trying to start these groups and, and homes and cafes, one of the difficulties is meeting new people. And so I, I went to the university and said, I'm, you know, I, I live here in the city. I'm an American, I speak English really good, and um, I, you know, I'll do anything you ask me to do. And they said, great. Uh, and I said, you know, do you, what is it you want me to do? And they said, well, you can do anything you want. Um, you know, just come in and uh, talk to the kids uh, in English, and you know, whatever uh, ways you want to do that, play games, lectures, whatever you want to do was great with us. Except, you can't talk about your faith. It's a government university, so everything's great, except talking about my faith. So I don't bring it up. I, I agreed to that, and so I don't bring it up. But it's amazing how often the kids um, bring it up, and I feel like it's okay to answer their questions. Because, it, you know, when we're living in Ukraine, uh, the, the first question we, are, we get is, why are you here? And it's tough to answer that without bringing up our faith. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. Uh, when we're back in the States on furlough, we often visit used bookstores. I think we have one of the finest libraries of English, English literature in all of Ukraine. Um, and uh, one of the libraries we visit uh, has a great children's section. 
And uh, especially when the girls were little, we would, go, we would always make sure to visit this one bookstore because you go into the children's section and they have this great display of books that are set on shelves that um, each shelf is a different age or, base, or height, maybe. Or maybe they do it by height. But, you know, they set the books at, you know, at a level where kids can reach them. And so that lowest shelf is for small kids. And uh, whenever we would go to this um, bookstore, first thing we'd have to do is we'd have to scan the shelves for inappropriate books. And I think sometimes, you know, a kid will come in there and uh, pick a book off the top shelf, sit down and read it right there, and when they're finished, they just put it back on the bottom shelf, uh, you know, not thinking about it. I think sometimes it's done deliberately. I think sometimes somebody thinks it's funny if an inappropriate book or magazine ends up on that low shelf and, uh, you know, for some kid to find. And so Heather and I would go in and scan that shelf uh, to make sure everything was uh, okay. The way I know that, is because that's something I would have done as a child. So I know, you know, I, I know how kids think. I would have done the same thing. I would have thought it was funny. And so I, I, I recognize that. One day we were in there, and when we walked in, there was a, another uh, dad there with a little girl. And, you know, just a really sweet scene as they're sitting there looking at books together. And uh, he was doing the same thing. He was protecting his little girl the same way I protected my girls, looking at the books on that lower shelf. And anything he didn't think was appropriate, he'd pick it up and put it somewhere else on a higher shelf out of her reach. Um, as we walked up, I noticed which books he was picking up and putting out of reach, and they were Christian books. I think some of them were even books that Heather and I had, had traded in. But he was taking Christian books off of that bottom shelf, putting it up high, protecting his daughter the same way that I protected my daughter. Don't be surprised if the world hates us. But we are not called to hate, but to love. As followers of Jesus, love is our defining characteristic. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, By this all men will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. As believers, if we harbor hate in our hearts, John says we haven't changed. We haven't moved from death into life, into eternal life. We have to let go of that hate. Let's continue reading in verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So now John is tackling that question. What is love? anybody just finish my sentence with the lyrics, baby don't hurt me, don't hurt me no more? No? Now I've stuck it in your head. You tried to block it, but I stuck it in there. I apologize for that. Maybe you did the little head bob thinking about the Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live skit. And I apologize, but it is going to be stuck in your head for the rest of the day. There's no way to get it out. When it does pop into your head this afternoon, instead of cursing me, Remember this, Jesus laid down his life for you. He laid down his life for me, for the dad at the bookstore and his daughter, for all of us. That's how we know what love is. Jesus is the model. He's the paradigm. He's the example. We don't have to look any further. Love is sacrificial. As he sacrificed his life for us, we should sacrifice our life for one another. 
Eugene Peterson puts, this way, puts it this way in his translation, the message. Don't just be out for yourself. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it but turn a cold, so- but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears, and you made it disappear. How's that for convicting? I'm going to read it again. Don't just be out for yourself. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears, and you made it disappear. John says that love shouldn't spur us to words, but to action. This past week, uh, my family and I attended a missionary retreat in Indianapolis, and one of the speakers, Roy Lawson, mentioned a song from My Fair Lady. I don't know how many people. Um, that movie's probably getting around 60 years old. Um, but it's the story of uh, Eliza Doolittle and uh, the professor. I, I don't know, is he a professor? Henry Higgins, a linguist, is trying to get her to talk correctly and to kind of bring her up in society, and she's his pet project. And uh, as he's grooming her, and uh, uh, she gets a guy named Freddie who is a suitor that's, that's interested in her. And so in song, uh, Freddie is proclaiming his love to her with some really you know, highfalutin, lovey-dovey words. And uh, she uh, takes a shot at Freddie and also at her benefactor, Henry Higgins. Here's what she says. Words, words, words. I'm so sick of words. I get words all day through. First from him, Henry Higgins, and now from you, Freddie. Is that all you blighters can do? I said this in the first service. I don't know if blighters is a really bad word in England. It's not here, so we're okay. <laughs> but, if, but don't play this in England. They might get offended. So first from him, now from you. Is that all you blighters can do? Don't talk of stars burning above. If you're in love, show me. Tell me no dreams filled with desire. If you're on fire, show me. And Eliza Doolittle is basically angling for a kiss from Freddie. She's tired of the talk. She wants a commitment from Freddie. I think similar sentiments have been expressed by each of us towards our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and we've also been on the receiving end. Prayer, prayer, prayer. I'm so sick of prayer. Is that all you Christians can do? I don't need you to pray for me. I need you to watch my kids tomorrow so I can go handle my business. Shouldn't we be the answer to prayers and not just the prayers of prayers? They've already prayed. Here we are. We're the answer to their prayers. Verse 19. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit 
he gave us. Do you ever beat yourself up and question how good of a Christian you are? I do. Sometimes we look around the room and think others are more loving or caring or giving or charitable, more talented than we are. Or we constantly question our choices and motives. Actively practicing love gives us peace in our hearts to know that we belong to God. To quote Peterson's translation again, it's the way to shut down the debilitating self-criticism, even when there is something to it. God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our hearts. If he doesn't condemn us, then we can have confidence before him and know that he hears and answers our prayers. John ends with this command. Believe in Jesus and love one another. If we do these things, then the Holy Spirit dwells within us. I want to close today with something from Fred Craddock, the preacher's preacher. He says this, Before I married, I moved in my service down to a place on Watts Bar Lake between Chattanooga and Knoxville. It was the custom of that church at Easter to have a baptismal service. And the service was held on Easter evening at sundown. Out on a sandbar, I, with the candidates for baptism, moved into the water, and then they moved across to the shore where the little congregation was gathered singing around the fire and cooking supper. They had constructed little booths for changing clothes, and as the candidates moved from the water, they went in, changed clothes, and went to the fire in the center. And finally, last of all, I went over and changed clothes and went to the fire. Once we were all around the fire, one of the church members would introduce the new people, give their names, where they lived, and where they worked. Then the rest of us formed a circle around them while they stayed warm by the fire. The ritual was each person in the circle gave her or his name and said this, My name is blank, and if you ever need somebody to do washing and ironing, my name is blank, if you ever need somebody to chop wood, my name is blank, if you ever need somebody to babysit. My name is blank if you ever need anybody to do small repairs on your home. My name is blank if you ever need anybody to sit with the sick. My name is blank if you ever need a car to get to town. At my first experience of that, one of the men saw me standing there. He looked at me and said, Craddock, folks don't ever get any closer than this. In that community, they call that church. So back to the begin. We should love one another. Go out today and be an answer to someone's prayers. Amen.